eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, welcome into the Sweaters Forever podcast, a Dallas Stars and NHL podcast hosted by Gavin Spittle, the Hockey Hawk of 105.3 The Fan. Gavin, how are you doing today? Shippy, it's a good time. Stick tap to our locals. It sure is. You can follow him on Twitter at GJ Spittle. I'm Shippy. You can follow me on Twitter at Shippy Fun Sports. And once again, for two weeks in a row now, after after two episodes where it was like, oh man, we got nothing but kind of negative things to talk about and how does this team improve, we got a lot of good to talk about. The Dallas Stars are 9-2-1, and or no, sorry, they're 9-1-1, and in their last 11 games, and they now, for the first time all season, they, ho- they hold one of those um, the, one of those coveted playoff spots. They yeah. currently are the second wild card. Obviously, you're super young into the season, but after a 1-7-1 and start, the fact that they turned it around this quickly has been just really surprising, even to the biggest and most optimistic of Stars fans. It was like a snap of the finger, and I guess if we simplify it, um, what's been one of the keys to the turnaround? I, I think it's the the team gelling. You had yeah. ingredients kept being thrown into the mix. Corey Perry's healthy. Okay, insert Corey Pelt Perry. Uh, Dickinson's back. Como's back. And then you look at a Joe Pavelski and getting his legs under him with a new team. So I think it was kind of the gelling of the team, and it appears as though they've finally come together. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up Corey Perry. Since having Corey Perry in the lineup, they are 9-2-1 and with Corey Perry in the lineup. Yeah, even though he might not be showing up on the score sheet, um, he is always around the net. He is always pestering and not pestering as far as pushing and shoving right but just an overall understanding kind of you know psychologically last night there was a play in Vancouver when he actually after the play looked down at his feet and just paused there to make sure that you know he wasn't in the blue area and I think that was yeah. as much of like all right I'm gonna check where I am but almost like hey this is where I'm parking all night right you know and those kinds of things send subtle messages that boys I'm going to be here all night and I'm going to set screens for you all night. This is going to be this is going to be a tough night for you Jacob Markstrom. And exactly what you just brought up, the fact that a lot of what he provides for this Dallas Stars team doesn't necessarily show up in a box score kind of embodies what they were lacking and what they were missing in those first few weeks. You know, all the little things that he does and he brought up pestering. Just a player just, you know, skating hard and being all over the defense is pestering in itself. Like the fact that they're all over you, that they don't seem to take any any shifts off, you know, it's from the from the drop of the puck to the final buzzer, you know, you're getting 100% effort from guys like Corey Perry and then Blake Como, like you brought up, Jason Dickinson. I mean, really right now, this whole Stars team, even, even uh, Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn, who, you know, Coach Montgomery called out, which was kind of a strange thing in the midst of this awesome run, he comes out and, I mean, he wasn't getting the type of production, but... They have been hitting a lot of posts, and I know that hitting posts doesn't do anything for you, but puck luck is a very real thing in yeah. hockey. But you could see in the in the Vancouver game, you could tell that it was in some inspired hockey that was being played by Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan. Tyler Sagan had that goal um, on the rush where he passed it to Miro Haskinen, and Miro Haskinen just basically on a backhand just kind of just tapped it right back to him, and he had a wide-open net. Markstrom thought it was going across the crease just like everybody else, 
and Miro Haskinen makes a really smart play to give it right back to Tyler Sagan and you know he gets his first goal on I believe like 11 games or something like that. I so, got to think Miro that was purposeful. He might have been angling it toward the net on a, you know, kind of a soft tip, mm-hmm. but when things are going well for you, those things tend to happen. So, turns out it was a sweet pass and he came out of nowhere down the middle and you know, you look at the confidence of the team and that's where you see confidence, the little things. Miro Haskinen joining the rush. Mm-hmm. You're starting to see the defensemen join the rush a little bit more, and that means they have confidence in the back end that their linemen, as far as uh, defensive pairing, will be back there, and a forward will kind of cheat back so that there's, you know, if if for some reason it goes the other way, they'll be okay. Yeah, and uh, Tyler Sagan was actually asked about that pass after the game, and you know, he was like, they, they asked him, you know, hey, were you expecting that pass from Miro? And he goes, well, I don't know if he was exactly trying to. It might have hit a stick or yeah. something, and it just worked out. But even on the replay, I was looking at it, and I was like, I think he meant to do that? Yeah, it was, it was definitely, it's definitely close. So, um, but, but, I mean, you know, I mean, clearly the kid keeps showing how talented he is. Yes. And, you know, I think he's actually been better since he's been paired with Jamie Alexiak. I agree. And, you know, we talk about how forwards go on different lines and how they're more effective. How Dennis Gurionov really got his legs going and his confidence when he was paired with Rope Hintz, who's a great playmaker. And, you know, I think the same is on defensive pairings. When you're with someone all the time, Klingberg, Lindell, always together. I think that's why Ben and Sagan, you know, they're. When you're with someone all the time, you know where they're going and what they're going to do. The right. tendencies are there. Yeah, uh, These guys play with each other all the time, and people can say, yeah, switch up the lines. They practice together all the time. I understand that, but there is nothing like game action. And I've we, we almost like talk about it on a weekly basis, how quietly Jamie Alexiak has been such a good player for the Stars this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... Uh... You know, you bring up just the continuity there, and you brought up earlier Joe Pavelski looks like he's now finding himself and his place in this team. Um, you can just tell a, a different comfort level. Obviously, he had two goals against the Flames. One of them was an empty netter, but that first one, uh, we go back to Miro, who had a great pass on an entry pass, you know, which sprung the whole thing. I believe the pass was to Sagan, and then Pavelski cleaned it up in front of the net, but it's it's been really nice to see, and, and on a night-to-night basis, you'll see these guys... Monty will put them on different lines, but you don't see like a lack of chemistry once they hit the ice. Because I, when they dropped Justin Dowling in between Ben and Sagan, right, and he's now centering those guys. I was like, for the for the Calgary game, I was kind of like, oh man, I, I don't know if this is going to take an adjustment period. You know, the, this is a totally different line that that they're not used to. Even though it's only one guy, there was a little bit of concern for me. But they just dropped him in, and, and what, is he, what does he do? That line was the best line all night, and Justin Dowling on a really nice toe drag, which he's now shown in back-to-back games for two the for Dallas two. Stars. And Sagan last night even said, he goes, he goes, he says he does that in practice, but I've never seen it. <laughs> like He's like, I'm yeah. calling him out right now, but you know, obviously now we've seen it two games in a row. His story, if he doesn't play another NHL game, is amazing. I yeah. mean, the, the fight through the ECHL, and uh, I think it's nine years in the AHL, um, you know, he's just got a never quit attitude and you can see that on the ice. And that's what that's what Tyler said yesterday when they were asking him about, you know, what makes him so good on your line is is he just said consistency, persistency. That yeah. that pestiness that we were talking about earlier, peskiness, you know, just being all over the defense and applying that pressure. Yeah, he's gonna be good on pressure and he's also gonna be great on back checking. Yes. You know, he's never effort. gonna leave yeah, effort and he's gonna skate hard. Um, going back, and that's really important, especially when you have a Ben and Sagan. Once again, when you have a guy like that on your line that you know is going to get back and support you defensively, it frees you up offensively. Yeah. I mean, you still have to have your assignments. Right, right. At the same time, you know, it's been it's been nice because I was like you. I was like, that's a weird pairing. I thought I so. don't understand that. But the fact that his first goal was in front of his family and his mom getting a, a beer and she missed it. Yeah, there's a weird story there. You know, you talked about his story. That's just, you know, another awesome part of the Justin Dowling story. His mom says, you know, she missed the goal because at first it was reported that she was in line for beer. And then I guess she came back. I saw it on Sean Shapiro's Twitter account that he said that she wanted to clarify she was getting served a beer. So 
I don't know if she's getting served a beer in line or she's getting served a beer at her seat. But either way, she missed her son's first NHL goal yeah. in that time. And that's one of the things as a sports fan that when you attend a game, you know, you're like, all right, what's a good time for me to go and get another beverage or get a hot dog <laughs> or get something to eat? Like I'm getting kind of hungry or I need to go to the bathroom. And you 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 dread missing, you know, a monumental moment or yeah. or even just a goal or a or a sweet dunk or depending on the the sporting event you're at. And she went and missed her son's first NHL. Goal. I mean, I I just the family folklore forever in the Dowling family has been set. I mean, if you're oh, at yeah. like a family, mom, every want, Thanksgiving, yeah, mom, you want me to get you a beer? Oh no, 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 yeah, no, I, I got it. I yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't want you to miss anything. <laughs> I don't want you to miss any part of this dinner. I mean, that's going to go on for probably generations of the Dowling family. But it is a terrific story, and the whole Stars team is a terrific story. What they're doing without Rope hints. Without John Klingberg, last night they were without Matias Janmark and Cogliano missing yeah. his seventh game in the in his NHL career. And you know, I mean, that's well. I'll tell you what, you know, Cogliano is one of those guys. He actually went out on pregame skate and wanted to go, right? And he just couldn't. And you know, guys like that gel the team together, and that's and, an infectious mindset, absolutely. Because you look around, and you know, if n- nobody's a hundred percent healthy, even at, at this point, but. You're only going to get more dinged up until maybe you hit the all-star break and you get a little bit of time to recover, but nobody's going to be healthy. So when you have a guy like Andrew Cogliano, as you just referenced, and he's out there and the coaching staff deems him not healthy enough to play, but he got out there to try and go, if you're Jamie Alexiak or if you're Justin Dowling or Tyler Sagan or Jamie Ben, Sagan was playing through a sickness you know, a week ago or so where he was missing practice and things like that. That's an infectious mindset and an, an infectious attitude to where you know, if somebody's thinking, man, I got this calf thing, my calf doesn't really feel right, instead of, hey, maybe I'll try to miss a game here. No, you try to play through everything. And that's really the NHL player's mindset anyways. But that can't be overstated in terms of having a veteran guy like that. You know, And now the depth of this team looks like a really, really big strength. Yeah. After, at the beginning, you know, it was kind of, it was a little iffy. So the depth has always been there, but it just took them relying and giving guys like Gurionov a shot to, you know, make that next step and take some meaningful meaningful minutes for the Stars. I guess we have to talk about talk about the drop in of the gloves last night. We have to. And that was awesome. For what people that are against fighting, I'm pro fighting. Me too. Um I So was uh, Luds and Eddie Bell Yeah, I mean, I want it to dissipate, but last night was a great example of a purpose. If you watch the first couple minutes of that game, I thought Vancouver was controlling the play. Me too. Um, you could tell the Stars were on a back-to-back. Absolutely. And Jordy Ben lays a very nice, clean hit. Mm-hmm. And Dennis Gurionov immediately turns around and says, that's not going to happen. Dennis Gurionov is not your you're not your fighter. Now, we have talked in this podcast about there is toughness of Dennis Gurionov. Yes. Uh, he goes into the corners hard. Dennis Gurionov is strong. I mean, he's got a great frame and body. You can see that when he's going around defensemen. He uses his body to his to his advantage. Right. So, drop the gloves. They went. There were smiles all around. I think there was a small bloody nose by Gurionov. Uh-huh. But even when your brother's on, you know, the yeah. one fighting. Yeah. Jamie Ben was sticking, you know, stick tapping hard. Yeah. That does so much for your room. And, and and that's that's like the best part of that, that it does it for the game where you are not going to run over us tonight. Right. We are going to put up a fight. You know we're on a back-to-back, but this isn't going to happen tonight. Right. And you went after one of our players, granted it was clean, not going to let that happen. I wouldn't be surprised if the room ingratiated themselves even more to Dennis Gurionov, more than the two goals, dropping the gloves. And that's why dropping the gloves is important, because after that, the stars seem to have got their legs back. It definitely sparked them. It sparked them. Absolutely, it sparked them, because it was unexpected by the player that would do it. And, you know, it was a clean hit. So it could have just been left as that, and they go on to play. And it shows, you know, that's another guy that he's a rookie, and he, you're not expecting him to just turn around right like like that and confidently go, nope, you're not doing that. Let's drop the gloves right now. I guarantee you, if there was some sort of pool that they had in, in the locker room on who would drop the gloves first in that uh, scenario, 
Guryanov would be pretty far down that list. But that shows, as we just talked about a second ago, how they're now starting to gel in that room and really starting to understand each other. And it seems like the locker room now, after maybe three, four weeks ago, it seems like the locker room has, has done a complete 180 in terms of how everybody's feeling in the locker room. Obviously, winning does a lot for, for, any, for all of that, but it seems like there's a, it's been a total 180 in the mood in the room. Yeah, yeah, it really has. I, I agree. It's, uh, it's been a terrific turnaround. Uh, they're playing well. It seems as though they're, they're playing with a lot of heart. And they're playing more consistent. They're not allowing uh, the Winnipeg loss was disappointing in that I thought they controlled the first two periods. But, you know, you kind of have to take a step back and say, all right, we got a point. Right. On the road, any point is a good point. Edmonton will be a tough one. Um, But at the same time, this Stars team's flying right now. I'm really looking forward to tomorrow's game. Yeah. uh, Edmonton and Dallas tomorrow night is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, Let's see. Let's talk about... Real quick, I, I kind of just want to hit this as well. Bill Murray being at the Canucks game. Yeah. I know he's a big hockey fan. I've seen him at uh, a Blackhawks game before, and I guess he's been, now that's two in a row, two yeah. two Canucks games in a row that he's attended. Is that the most random hockey fan that you could <laughs> that you would imagine attending an NHL game? I, I have one for you. Okay. So apparently, uh, because... They were celebrating the veterans last night. Mm-hmm. They put up a scene from Stripes. Oh, and so they nice. put up a scene from Stripes with Bill Murray, and then all of a sudden the crowd went nuts when they put him on the screen. And it looked like he, he wasn't wearing gloves, like he had some shirts or like a sweater around yeah, his hands. He had, he had the scarf going. It was a very nice scarf. But I think Bill Murray overall is just a sports fan. He's just taken it in. My most random was actually at the American Airlines Center mm-hmm. when... Dolph Lundgren was put on this uh, screen what? in Rocky Four, and you know, with sweat pouring down, and say, you know, I must break you. Mm-hmm. And then they panned in the stands, and there was Dolph Lundgren at the AAC. At a Dallas Stars. Game. Yeah, the crowd went nuts. Yeah, I don't know. I think my only like random fan running at a Stars game would be Shinsu Chu, who didn't understand how <laughs> hockey worked, <laughs> that which was random. awesome. Yeah, um, I ran into him with Derek, and like he came out and he was just so confused about the about the entire sport. He's he's like, wait, so they don't take timeouts? They like they thought it was halftime when the first period was over, and we were talking. Like he was like, they don't have any breaks; they just jump over the wall and they just go. Yeah, so. That's uh, it's not quite Dolph Lundgren, but I mean Shinsu Chu. Did yeah, not expect to see him at that a Stars. Is, that game. is definitely random, but it was cool to see Bill Murray. I mean, heck, for the NHL's sake, any celebrity at their games. You know, in LA, it's quite common. Yes, uh, yes. for a lot of celebs to go to the games. I mean, they probably even attend like LA Galaxy games out there. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Just absolutely. like uh, it's, it's like a spectacle. We talked about that last week. You know, people showing up to, in some of these markets, it's more of a spectacle than it is like they're a hardcore sports fan. But I think Bill Murray is that hardcore sports fan. I remember there was some team that he followed in March Madness a couple years ago, and it was the most random thing. He's having fun. Yeah, he's just having fun. And Bill, yeah. Bill Murray is obviously, if you look up the story of how he gets booked for different gigs and things like that, he is maybe the most... You know, you have the most interesting man in the world. He's probably the most random man yeah, in the world. Yeah, absolutely. And for two straight games, now you've had two quiet barns in traditional mad hockey yeah. um, cities. Yeah. So it's one of those situations where the stars have quieted the crowd, and that comes down to scoring early. They're not getting behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're playing well, and they're playing consistent, and on this streak, I haven't thought much about I, I I really thought Vancouver was going to come back last night. I tweeted yesterday this was going to be a difficult game. Yeah. I really felt as though the matchup was in Vancouver's favor. You look at their lineup, uh, players like Besser, they got Tyler Myers now on defense. They just have a lot of offense. You know, they're just an overall good team. They're, they're top three uh, in the Pacific. So I just thought the Stars coming off a of back-to-back would struggle. But I was a pleasantly surprised, and I will take that two points and yeah. on to Edmonton. And whatever happens in Edmonton, this is a very successful road trip. Absolutely, and and we just talked about the the way they got started. It, you could t- it was a tough matchup. Like even though they won and they got the two points, that was not a, an easy rollover game. And I saw a lot of people on 
uh, on Twitter talking about, you know, hey, congrats, like, the Stars, they just play this boring brand of hockey and this and that. And it's like, the, I don't understand that the St. Louis Blues last year played a super boring brand of hockey, and they ended up winning the Stanley yeah. Cup. Yeah. Like, I don't understand how you can, how you can, like, complain about the brand of hockey that they're playing when... The brand of they 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 went back to this brand that that succeeded halfway through last season. What was boring? That's what I'm trying to figure out. A toe drag was boring. It's what I a don't know. A tic tac toe goal was boring with an unbelievable pass by Haskinen. See, I, an unbelievable move by Radulov to close out the game and make it four to two. I, Spectacular I saves by Hudobin last night. I know a fight. Right. I'm trying to figure out what was so boring about last night's game. I mean, you, you're playing to your strengths based on the injuries in your lineup. Right. And this is a brand of hockey that will win you games like that on the road. Absolutely. That'll win you games like the game against Calgary. That'll give you a shot in Edmonton tomorrow night. I don't want this Stars team to be wide open. Oh. That was Lindy Ruff's Stars. And how did that go? 6-5 loss. Yeah. That's how that went. Right. And while it was fun at times, you knew if they were up by two or three, the team could come back. Right. You need to shut it down. Right. And... One of the things that one of the big turnarounds is the defensive play. If we look at it, you know, it's like they're playing so much better in net defensively. Uh, you know, it's like a huge turnaround from their first eight, nine games. Yeah, really, really big turnaround. Um, last week on the podcast, we brought up, you know, Sergey Zuboff in his role. Yeah, who'd you call, with man? With the Dallas Stars. You made it happen. <laughs> I, Way to go. I, I brought it. I was like, I know he's in the Hall of Fame, but I don't know. Is his jersey retired yet? And then sure enough, like two days later, they announced that they're going to retire 56 in the rafters forever. We were talking about how fitting it's going to be to look up and see Madonna, Neil Broughton, and uh, now you're going to have Sergey Zubov up there as well. Um, I mean, pretty. see, we've, we've been saying this the whole time, is whatever we talk about on here seems to be happening. I know, it's in weird. In real life, I it's love it. very weird. It's like... I don't want to take credit, but I do want to take credit. I feel like we have to, right? Like, yeah, we were talking about Gurionov before he was Gurionov. We were talking about Rope Hints yeah. and how effective he was. We uh, talk, We brought up Blake Como and his impact, and absolutely. he scores a really nice yeah, goal last night. I mean... I don't. I, I'm really looking forward though. Now that we can talk about, yes, it is 100 percent happening. Sergey Zubov going up in the rafters. I mean, we kind of touched last week on whatever, um, you know, whatever he meant to this Dallas Stars franchise, and maybe could continue to mean if he, you know, continues in this talent evaluation role. But it kind of made me think. You know, we've been begging for him to be in the Hall of Fame and and get his jersey retired for quite some time. Now that all that's happening, is there somebody who sticks out in your mind right off the top of your head who's like, all right, they got Zubov in. Yeah. Now who's next? I don't know if he was long enough, if he was here long enough, but I really feel as though Ed Belfort meant everything to his team. Yeah, we talked about that last week. Yeah, I I agree. I 100%. And his his work that season where they won the Stanley Cup alone yeah. should get him in. I mean, I think the Stars are very picky about the numbers. I think so, too. He's in the NHL Hall of Fame. He's one of only two players that won an NCAA championship, an Olympic gold medal, and a Stanley Cup, the other being Neil Broughton. So I think it's Neil Broughton. Hey, if Neil Broughton's up there... yeah. That's more of a Minnesota thing. I, I mean, a lot of people argue that he's the greatest hockey player ever from Minnesota. Um, obviously, what he did with the 1980 Olympic team and uh, the North Stars. But yeah, he was a part of this Dallas Stars franchise. And he's part of the the, the most successful Dallas Stars you know, team that this, this city's ever seen. So, uh, I, you know, I just I think now you're getting into after Zuboff tenure. And who has had enough tenure? What about Yuri Lettinen? Yuri's up there. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. See, and when I was bringing it up earlier, I was like, they did retire that one too, right? Yeah. Like, okay, good. So they got Yuri Lettinen, they got Madano, they got Broughton, now they got Zubov. I mean, maybe we should put a call in for Craig Ludwig. <laughs> I, you know, it won't happen. Yeah, I know. Sorry, However, Craig. his teammates, I guarantee, they would all Sergey Zubov. Thanks, Craig Ludwig, in his speech. When he yeah. got into the Hall of Fame, he mentioned Craig Ludwig. All of those guys 20 years ago that won that cup mentioned Craig Ludwig. 
and how much of a room guy he was. And we know him all as Luds, and he's just a a, a friendly guy that you can approach and everything like that. But right. we cannot underestimate how important he was to that Cup team. And if you just hang out with him or you get the opportunity to drink a beer with him, you would never. Or if you you just ran into him in you know in a public setting, yeah, you would never think that he was as a successful hockey player as he was. Just based on his demeanor and the way he treats people and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so. I I actually texted Craig um, and said, congratulations. I know you were a part of Guy Carbonneau's career as well yeah. as uh, Sergei Zuboff. That's awesome that they got into the hall. And he texted me back. He said, I had nothing to do with that. I just taught him how to drink. <laughs> and that's Ludwig, man. You know? <laughs> that and you know what? I guarantee you he did teach him how to drink. The yeah. guy the only guy that he said that probably could out drink him is uh Darian Hatcher. Yeah. So yeah. I've never seen Hatch drink before, but uh it's on the bucket list. But I mean I'm not sure after that who you put in. I mean, I I would like to see Belfort. I think up Belfort there would be the uh because he's in the NHL Hall of Fame. Um I think it would be a nice tribute. Um he's now more local. Um, you know, and yeah. so I think that's really cool. Um, he's doing, with his son. Yeah, and he's doing local appearances, and uh, so he's getting out there. So the more that we can incorporate these guys from 20 years ago, I think better because I don't think hockey would be on the map as much as it is here in Dallas-Fort Worth without those guys that won the Cup. Yeah, so I guess let's now get back to this current Dallas Stars team. How... You know, we talked about the approach and, you know, how they need to get more pucks on the net and things like that, apply more pressure. It certainly seems like they, they've they been doing a lot better job of that. Is there anything else right now that you see from this team where you, you'd like to see some more improvement, though? Last night was an improvement. You had to stay out of the box, and you did. Took three yeah. minor penalties, so that's good because you didn't want that Vancouver power play to get going. One of the other good things that was happening that last Pedersen night. Pedersen slap shot. My goodness. Oh my gosh. I mean, the the kid's 160 pounds. He's super wiry. Yeah. He's like maybe 110 pounds yeah. when he's soaking wet. Yeah. So I was wondering if I should bring this up or not, but if you look back at that draft, it's such a fascinating debate. Who would you rather have? Haskinen, Kale McCarr, or who we just talked about in Vancouver? Patterson. Uh, it's tough. I mean, they're all great players. It's like, yeah, I mean, you're... I I don't know. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Miro Haskinen's game. And I think it's only... I guess I'd go by who the youngest is, maybe. Yeah. Um, And they're all right there together, right? They're all 18, 19, 20 years old. Like, 19 and 20. So, I mean, I think for me, I would still take Haskinen over... Kale McCarr. Okay. But I think Pedersen, just because of the position that he plays. Yeah, I was I leaning would, that way too. I would probably go Pedersen over Haskinen. I think when you look at but this. But it's so close. I know. When you look at this team and look at additional scoring at times. Exactly. Needed, I think it's like, wow, what would Pedersen be? And that's that's how we would look at it though. Yeah. Is but then you subtract Miro Haskinen and maybe then you're looking, man, this guy, this team's got a great group of forwards, but... Man, if they just had that puck moving defenseman who's also super responsible defensively, you know, yeah. then yeah. you would, then if that was the case, you know, Vancouver might look at it and go, well, we'd probably take Miro Haskin, you know, like, actually, I don't know if they'd say that, but it was an amazing draft. It was. And you, you know, fortunately, the Dallas Stars were one of the teams that got one of those three outstanding players. Oh, yeah. From the draft. I, mean, I think three, four, and six go over one and two if you did the draft over again. Oh, definitely. You know, I you mean, know New Jersey is like, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. and he would Hersh Hershier. Is that how you say yeah, it? Nikolai Hershier. Hershier. I always feel like I got like it's like me trying to say the word. Yeah, I mean, you rural, can say Hersher. Rural. Yeah, yeah. Um, he just got a big extension. He just got a big extension. But I think that a lot of New Jersey Devils fans are probably looking at it, going, "Man, we would definitely take any of those three Yeah, over Hershier. And then Patrick in Philadelphia so. has been okay. Yeah, but has not been um, yeah. great injured uh, this year. So, I mean, then you look and there's an explosion of, of great players. So, I mean, that's that's what shows how hard the NHL draft is. But getting back to your question, uh, minimizing the penalties is, I think, something they need to continue to work on, uh, staying out of the box, um, continuing to work on the power play. It seems to be better, but I want it to be one of the – I think it can be top five in the league with the talent that they have. Agreed. Um, so – 
Uh, I, I see them doing some some different aspects. Gurionov now in front of the net, looking for that tip or the rebound. Um, that's interesting to see. I've been really, really pleasantly or just very happy to see that. I don't feel like I've seen them try to make that perfect pass nearly as much anymore. And I think a byproduct of that is the fact that they're not in a one seven and one stretch. When because when you're one seven and one, I mean you're 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 desperately trying to claw yourself out of a really bad situation and out of a bad start, right? So when you see that happening, I think that that's why that they were putting so much emphasis on, hey, let's just go for the slam dunk goal. Let's just you know let's not just throw it on the net. They were almost trying to be too precise to get that monkey off their back to get that to try to get that one seven and one start yeah. turned around into how they've been playing in these last eleven games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's progress, and now they just got to keep it up. Obviously, they can't keep up this pace, uh, right? But you know, when they get healthy, and that's the other thing: get healthy, uh, get Rope Hints back, get Klingberg back, and. The timetable's a little tough on those, so... And it was um, good to see Roman Polak back. It was great to see Roman Polak back, um, you know, and he's one of those guys that's going to give you that fifth, sixth defenseman minutes. And I think at that point, that's where we should put Roman Polak. Yes. You know, we don't want him up in the second pairing. If he needs to be, he'll do a good job, but I think when you put him back on that third defensive pairing, uh, it's quite effective. And, you know, I, I referenced, you know, the... The, the group of questions that were asked to Tyler Sagan following the Vancouver Canucks game, and they asked him, you know, hey, what does it mean to have Roman Polak back? And the first thing he said, room guy. Yeah. Have, that, have that character, have that personality, that outspoken guy. I guess he's like some sort of big character in the locker room, a jokester, a prankster, all that sort of stuff. Just one of those guys that you really like to be around and, and helps, you know, when you're on a back-to-back, you, that's when you re- those guys are super effective and valuable to keep these guys' spirits up and their energy high, even when, just based on your schedule, maybe you should be dragging a little bit, you should be tired. Yeah, yeah. I, I like how they're giving Dennis Gurionov chances. I think that's good. Uh, I like how a lot of the offense is centering around him now. I think that's giving him a lot of confidence. Uh, so I think that's a definitely a plus. I like him with Pavelski. I think having a veteran with him um, is is good at this point. Um, and, you know, I think the only other thing had a good goal last night, but, I mean, the continued progress of Alexander Radulov. Yeah. You know, he's going to give it his all. I appreciate that. But, you know, can't draw those minors behind the play, trying to catch up. And, right. you know, that, that stick grabbing doesn't work anymore in today's NHL. That is a minor penalty. I know Stars fans don't like it, but they're going to call that every time. When, you know, it touches the sweater. So things like that, you know, if they can dissipate and, you know, he can get on the score sheet a little bit more, I think we're going to be okay. Um, as far as Jamie Ben, uh, I saw a good Jamie Ben last night. I, really I, good. Yeah, I know really that, good. you know, the goal He's in his hometown. Yeah, absolutely. So he's going to play hard. But uh, earlier in the week, I mean, I think he kind of played it off as the media is trying to create something. But honestly. With uh, Montgomery well, with the Montgomery and about his, you know, continued play. But, right. you know, the reality is, is that these guys aren't over 20 points yet. And right. if they're your top guys, if Jamie Ben was making 2 to $3 million a year, I don't think this is an issue. Sure. But when you're making Jamie Ben and Tyler Sagan money, you expect performance that is going to be among the elites in the league because you are getting paid elite money. Yeah. And that's not happening right now. It's being covered up by other aspects, by Gurianov's play, by earlier, by Hence's play, by better defense, by better goaltending. So, you know, I, I think it's covered up for now, but, you know, we're keeping it. If he ends with 30, 40 points, boy, that's tough. Yeah, and and like you said, that's just when you factor in the amount of, the, amount of money he's making and the salary cap that he's chewing up. Yeah, so, yeah. But it's tough because, you know, he earned that money based on what he had done prior to that contract. So, it's tough, but, you know, hopefully he'll get it turned around. I think he will. You saw signs of, of him, you know, really improving last night, I thought, like you like you referenced. So, hopefully that, that, that trend continues and uh, we continue to see this this Jamie Bennett. Hopefully those posts... Those posts he's hitting start, po- you know, hitting the post and going in. Yeah, I mean, I like the the Jamie Ben I like, and Jim Montgomery referred to this is the Jamie Ben that's in front of the net, causing problems, setting screens, and 
scoring dirty goals. Yeah. That's the kind of Jamie Ben I like. I, I don't think we're going to see the Jamie Ben flying down the wing anymore. Yeah. I think that's just a reality. And sometimes athletes have to change their game. Pitchers that are power pitchers, the great ones, learn how to throw the off speed stuff. And that keeps them in the, the league for years to come. I, I definitely think yeah. Jamie Ben has the ability to continue to be an effective player. I'm not like down on him like that. I just think that it needs to get going. I mean, at some point, year after year, we can't have these Sagan-Ben droughts. I mean, at some point, they have to play more consistently because when they're both firing, this team is really hard to beat. Yeah, and you know, in response to Monty's comments, Sagan did say, well, I don't know, that's a coach question. We're just playing the system. It's a very defensive-style system. And I think you know, maybe he just didn't know that those comments were made available and that's his initial reaction I'm not exactly sure but I'm glad to see that it seems like that whole all the dust from that is settled they can move on Sagan got a goal against Vancouver Jamie Ben was all over the place looking good so maybe Edmonton is where Jamie Ben um, you know kind of kind of refines that offensive touch maybe he gets a goal in Edmonton but uh, I agree you know there's a lot of there's a lot of signs to to be optimistic regarding Jamie Ben's play from the beginning of the season to now. Yeah, I think he's definitely playing better and you need that first line to 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 really hit otherwise you're going to have to move Jamie Ben down or switch up lines which they did earlier in the season. Um I think right now the most effective is putting him together. Um, yeah. but let's you're right. Let's see what happens in Edmonton. Let's see what happens next week. You got some tough games. You got Vancouver, you got Winnipeg coming in. So you you know next week's not easy, you know, but you do have a home stand and um, the Stars have not played great at home. They've played better of late, but you know the we need that barn to become a home field advantage too. I mean, yeah. hopefully the crowd's going to be really into it after what they've seen, you know, on the road. So hopefully it's a loud barn on Tuesday. Well, I think it's going to take just a second for all the Stars fans to realize that hey, they don't suck anymore. Like they they've yeah. turned it around, and hey, they're nine one and one in their last eleven. They're so. they're getting their they're getting their due. Uh, we've been talking about them uh, on 105.3 The Fan, and uh, that's yep. a good thing. So kudos uh, kudos to them. They just now have to uh, keep it up. And uh, we talked about, you know, obviously there's a possible eight points on this homestand. Right now they've got five out of a possible six. Yeah. Like we were, we were on the last week's episode, we were saying, hey, if you can get four, that would be awesome. Yeah, give me six. I'm like delighted. But if, yeah. if, if, if I'll take five. Yeah, absolutely. I'll take five. Last night was huge. So, um, I guess before we hit the Hockey Hawk power rankings, was there, was there anything else Dallas Stars related that you wanted to get off your chest or uh, anything that I missed in terms of topics that uh, you think that we need to talk about? I mean, kudos to Stars fans for waiting at the Star Center this morning for the Winter Classic jerseys. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know why it was handled the way it was. Um, that'll be interesting when it all flushes out. I know they're a hot item here in, mm-hmm. in Dallas-Fort Worth, but... They should be readily available. Yeah. And I'm not sure what has happened. Um, and I don't understand why fans should have to line up at 5 a.m. Uh, to do this. This is Popeye's Chicken 2. <laughs> kind of really? a smaller version. Well, hopefully I mean, nobody died over No, it. no, no. But when you see the when you saw the lines this morning, yeah. and people out in the cold, and they did put the line in the parking garage, so it kind of, you know, there wasn't wind. But, I mean, this is cold weather, and people... People are set up with chairs and everything. Yeah. This is for a sweater. Yeah, yeah. You know? I yeah. mean, that's... And they were waiting forever. Yeah. Maybe they didn't realize that there would be such a run on these things. Maybe the NHL didn't realize. I think Stars fans do have to realize that this game is being controlled by the NHL, not the Dallas Stars. They're teaming up with the Dallas Stars. So it's going to be interesting to look into it and see what is the main reason for fans not being um, allowed to buy Winter Classic jerseys with the name on the back in a timely fashion? Because you should have them for the holidays. No, I absolutely. I mean, I don't know if my mom listens to this podcast or not, but I would love to get one of those for Christmas this year. Nice. Or Santa. I'm, I know Santa listens. He's yeah, a big hockey yeah, fan. he's huge. He's huge. So uh, are you ready now to go on to the, Let's uh, the do power it, man. Ranks? we got some power rankings for you. All right, just so you know, on my side of things, I am referencing... Now a third different media outlet oh. for the third straight week. I'm rocking with the ESPN Ooh. power ranking. So okay. I couldn't find like an NBC Sports one. And the one that I did find for Sports Illustrated was before the Calgary and the Vancouver game. So 
I wanted to give the stars a chance to crack the. Got it. I mean, they, I knew they were going to crack top five just yet. But Let's do it. Wanted to get as close as possible. So I'll start here. They have the Washington Capitals as the number one team in the NHL right yeah, now. Yeah, I have the Capitals as well. Uh, so that gives ESPN some validity here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I think they're going to stay in business. ESPN. Mm-hmm. That's they, a that's a solid number one. They are scoring three point eight five on average goals per game. So let's just say just gosh. under four goals a game. Oh my god! They're still taking too many penalties. They're still not great in net so far. Seventy eight minor penalties. Yeah, second most in the league. Yeah. So we look at the Washington Capitals, and Ovechkin is obviously the face, one of the great players to ever play the game. But John Carlson needs to get his due. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about TJ Oshie and how effective he is. He reminds me of like a Roman Yossi in terms yeah. of like an underrated defenseman. Very underrated. So he's got 30 points and a plus 15 on the ice. He's got 30 points? 30 points that. already. So Wow. Y- you won't hear about him much. John Carlson among the elite defensemen in this league. Absolutely. All right, so now let's move on to number two. ESPN has the St. Louis Blues ranked. Man, I feel like they're cheating off the Hawk. Did you have them as number two? St. Louis Blues. Dude, they might be cheating off you, man. (laughs) Number two, no Tarasenko, no Alexander Steen, no problem. I mean, this team is ridiculous. They have points in eight straight games. They're doing it on a six-game road trip. Yeah. So it's like... I mean, and they're going into tough cities, and where's the cup lull? It's not happening. The St. Louis Blues, they're going to be a tough playoff contender. Yeah, and every year, no matter who's available for them, just like we were talking about the brand of hockey they play, and last week we referenced playoff hockey is their type of hockey. Yeah. They are built for that. So, yeah, yeah they're going to be a real tough out uh, come playoff time. Absolutely. Number three, ESPN has the Boston Bruins. Disagreement. Okay, here we go. Here we go. I have tomorrow's foe, the Edmonton Oilers. All right. I think the Edmonton Oilers have been one of the more consistent teams in the NHL. Um, Did you see what Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid did last night? I did not. Against the Colorado Avalanche. I did not. Leon Dreisaitl has 11 points in his last three games. He had five last night. Connor McDavid had a six-point night last night. My gosh. How does that happen? I I don't know. I'd like to see the Dallas Stars be able to mimic that somehow. I, I think Dave Tippett has found his pot of gold as far as coaching. So yeah. kudos to the former Dallas Star coach. And maybe they were just a coach away from reaching this potential that you all that you see in the on the roster. They're playing better sound defense. I like Mike Smith as a goaltender too. I do too. So uh, I like the Edmonton's Oilers right now at number three. So at number four, the uh, ESPN NHL Power Rankings has the New York Islanders. I have the Islanders as well. Somehow they're doing it. Uh, if you look at their scoring tallies, they don't have guys that are just like up there among the point leaders. But here's a, a fascinating stat. So they lost one of the Vesna Trophy finalists uh, last year uh-huh. in Robert Lanner, and his replacement, Tomas Grice, has a 942 save percentage, leading the NHL. So what's their secret? I think it's the defensive system, and I think they have yeah. one of the best coaches in Barry Trotz. I agree. Uh, yeah. I mean, Barry Trotz, absolutely a great head coach, and... As we mentioned, super weird story that they're just like, all right, see you later after winning us a Stanley Cup. Yeah. Appreciate you. Yeah. <laughs> all right, number five is where ESPN has the Edmonton Oilers. Who do you have there instead? So Bruins? I had the Boston Bruins last week at number one, and they've dropped to five. Okay. I, I could not ignore a third period in which they allowed the Florida Panthers to come back from four goals down. They're struggling right now as far as secondary scoring, but anytime you have Marchant and Pasternak, and uh, Bergeron on the same yeah. line. I mean, those they continue to be dominant. So they're basically a one or two line team right now. Right. Oh no, yeah. Um, I uh, I I agree with that. Is Tuka Rask still keeping up that sustained early success? That yeah. We I mean, he's he's doing okay, but I I just don't. the The question is: is can the Bruins sustain this without getting some other players to, you know, pitch in? So to speak. Now, real quick, just uh, to test your hawk knowledge, just uh-huh. off the top of your not your knowledge, but I'm curious where you would have the Dallas Stars ranked 
right now because of the the way they started. And I'll give you a second to think about this. I'm springing on this on you. Not sure if you've even thought about it, but where would you? What range would you have them in? I know where they've got them here. Um, you know, at ESPN. I'm just wondering where right now you what what range you would have them in. Uh, if if I was doing it based on weekly, uh-huh. I would probably have them top four, top five. Okay. Um. I think, I'm I'm looking at consistently over the last couple of weeks. I think that's the way you should. That's the way that ESPN definitely does. Yeah. They have them as at 23 still. Yeah, wow. I, that feels a little bit low. Yeah, it does. feel If you low. watch the Dallas Stars the way they're playing, I know they started off slow, but it does feel low. If you watch how they started playing, um, I would have them probably in that 13 to 15 range right now, maybe just based on the whole body of work this yeah. season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah, so. Really, and all they all they talked about is the organization still being frustrated and Montgomery calling out Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan. So Bristol paying attention to the headlines that <laughs> maybe reaches their NHL sub whatever. Yeah, uh, but uh, they're yeah, better I, than that. Right? I just now. thought that was an interesting little nugget. Yeah, absolutely. And I looked up a nugget this week um, on attendance in the NHL, and the Dallas Stars are doing quite well. Uh, I think they were yeah. tied, or they're at tenth. All so right. Kudos to Stars fans. Yes, sir. Stick tap to Stars fans. And speaking of Stars fans, Gavin, I believe you have some questions from our some of our uh, finest Stars faithful. You know, it's awesome when they ask us questions and we reach out. And you can always reach out to either one of us on Twitter and uh, ask your question. And we'll give you props on this podcast. I think it's uh, really cool. So, And we'll go ahead and just remind you, you can follow him at GJ Spittle. Follow me at Shippy Fun Sports. Send in questions whenever. We don't even have to ask for them. We'll make sure we like it, and then uh, we'll go to the database and we'll pull our favorite questions for the podcast. Question from Fuzzy Wuzzy Boom Boom. All right. (laughs) I like that. My question, guys, would be, what do you think the woes of the top line are, and is speed more necessary in the NHL more now than ever? Yeah, I do believe that speed is more necessary now than ever. If you look at the beginning of the um, beginning of the season, one of the things that was killing the Stars is that they just looked slower than every other team they were playing at the time. They've done a really good job and give uh, give Monty a lot of credit for infusing some youth and some speed with this mix of veterans that they brought in, including Corey Perry and Joe Pavelski. We talked about how, you know, especially Pavelski at the beginning of the season just didn't look fast enough on some of those lines. Um, obviously, Monty put uh, Rope Hintz on a line with him at, at one point, and then Gurionov was on a line with him. And so mixing that veteran that slower player that, you know, I mean, he, what's Pavelski? Is he like 36 years old? Yeah, like he's getting up 36, there. Yeah. 36, 38, somewhere around there. Um, obviously, speed isn't going to be the, the biggest part of his game. And then as far as the offensive, you know, woes for the top line, I think it's just they got off to a really slow start. And I, I think it's like Tyler Sagan said, it's a byproduct of the system. And I think it was that lack of shoot first mentality that they had at the beginning of the year as well. I expect to see those numbers and those totals to go up now that they're just they're they're playing more comfortable hockey now. Yeah, I agree. Uh, more shots on net will equal more goals. Um, getting those nasty Funny how goals. That works, yeah, right? I know it's weird. <laughs> it's like you know when you talk about hockey, it's like be brilliant at the basics, right? Um, and everything else will happen. And the stars have gone back to being brilliant at the basics. And uh, you know the first line, uh, yeah, they're hitting those posts, and uh, those posts are going to turn to the back of the net. So yeah. Um, I do think speed is critical, uh, and if you don't have the speed, then you better play a physical game. And by what not, I don't mean like dropping the gloves or throwing the big check, but there are meaningful checks that can take a player off the play, mm-hmm. and I think that slows speed down. St. Louis is a a, a nice testament to slowing teams. They're very good at bottling things up mm-hmm. and uh, wearing you down in the zone so that your speed is less effective. Yeah, that's a good question right there. I like that one. From Second, Fuzzy Wuzzy Bam Bam, right? <laughs> fuzzy Wuzzy Boom Boom. Boom Boom. boom, boom. <laughs> All right, question from at the Cheesy Chin, <laughs> okay. Jared Smith. It's highly unlikely that Stars have the cap room to re-sign Anton Hudobin next year. Are Jake Ettinger and Landon Bow ready for the jump, or will it be another stopgap net monitor until we're confident one of them is ready? I personally want to see Jake Ettinger come back or you know be promoted to that role with the Dallas Stars and be able to learn behind Ben Bishop. In anticipation of this question, Ettinger after 8 games, 3.34 goals against. Granted it's the AHL, things are different. Mm-hmm. 897 save percentage, 
325 for Bo with an 892 save percentage. So not the greatest goaltending down near Austin uh, for the Texas Stars, but it's still early in the season. You know, I would be interested, too, to see what um, Jordan Bennington's stats were last year in the AHL before he made the jump to the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that's similar to like AAA baseball. Where, right. you know, stats, depending on what league you're in, you know, kind of can mask your actual play. And I wonder, too, if Jake Ettinger and Landon Bow, if both of them obviously would benefit from playing on a talented roster like the Dallas Stars and the system that they play in front of them. I guess I wonder, at Doby's age... How much more money would he receive? And what would he prioritize? Staying in Dallas where he loves it? You know, you know he's, st- he's a starting goaltender in the NHL still. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't start as much as Ben Bishop, but they've got a very nice one-two punch going right now where they can both preserve themselves. And then when you come playoff time, obviously Ben Bishop is going to get the majority of the starts. But if something... God forbid were to happen to Ben Bishop, the Stars would feel very, very um, comfortable putting putting Dobby in there. I would like to see them offer another year. I think a team will swipe, come yeah. in and offer a multi-year deal to, I think so too. to Hudobin. Um, but I think they'd be smart to do that, too. Yeah, and uh, I want to see him succeed, but I'd love to see him succeed in a Dallas Stars way. Yeah, absolutely. The biggest thing is, is Ben Bishop. And how he's playing right now and doesn't get enough credit. I think we're kind of used to Ben Bishop. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we saw last night, and this has happened to Bishop too, but Anton Hudobin's just not the same behind the net in that yeah. hexagon uh, like Ben Bishop is. He made me nervous last night in Vancouver yeah. on one play in particular. I think it was in like the second period or so. He mishandled a puck behind the net, and I thought it was about to just end up in the back of the net. Yeah, and he was I did able too. to recover nicely, but. Yes, that's a very good point that he's not quite the same goalie back then. And with Bishop, I think you have to look at, you know, kind of the whole game. He might give one up early, but that's going to be the only one he's going to give up. Mm-hmm. He's nearing, uh, the other day he was at uh, 2.13 goals against average with a 930-something save percentage. So, I mean, if the year ended today, that's a heck of a year yeah. for Ben Bishop. So yeah. I, I think we're okay in the goaltending department. But it is a very interesting question because they probably do need those few million dollars for salary cap. Absolutely. All right, next question. Edgar Vargas. Where is this team in the big picture? Do you foresee a deep playoff run? If so, what must take place? I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> <laughs> um, I personally, from the jump, from you know when the offseason was really over and you know it was opening night, I've had very high expectations for this team. Uh, a team who last year was super close to moving on to the Western Conference Finals. Um, obviously, when in the NHL, weird things happen once once the postseason rolls around, you know? So it's really hard to say with certainty, but I would be extremely disappointed to see this team not make the postseason. And I think that that's why there was so much, you know, there was so much speculation surrounding Monty and his job security while they were going through this that rough stretch at the beginning. Like, how much longer are they going to let him coach this team because that's the expectation here from management, from ownership, from everybody, from Dallas Stars fans. That's why they booed him at home. Um, So I've got very high expectations in terms of a lengthy playoff run. Now, what needs to happen to ensure that I I think they, they, at the trade deadline, they're going to be looking for more scoring. Yeah, They're going to be looking for more Somebody to throw on that third line, fourth line, maybe a second line guy. And I don't know exactly where they would exactly need it in terms of they need a center or a left winger or a right winger because they have a lot of position flex you know, with their forwards in terms of they can throw Pavelski in the middle. They can put Pavelski on the right. You know, you know Sagan moved to the wing, and he was saying, I don't know the last time I wasn't playing center. You know, I wasn't playing down the middle, but Justin Dowling filled in. They did so nicely, and it turned out to be a really smart move from Monty. So I don't know exactly what position I would be looking for, but I would definitely want to add – Another forward and probably another top six forward for this team. I'll be interested to see, did the playoff experience from last year with some of the younger guys, will it translate into a better playoff run? Because Uh I do think in hockey specifically, playoff seasoning is important because it becomes such a grind. My other concern about a deep playoff run is who are you going to play? Remember, this is the best division in hockey. So let's just say you get in the top three and St. Louis is number one. Oh, yeah. Now you're looking at another first-round matchup against Nashville, or you're looking at 
a possible Colorado matchup, and that's a Colorado with a healthy Landeskog and a healthy Rantanen. Right. That's a very tough team to beat. We saw what they did as an eight seed to Calgary last year in the first round. So that kind of, you know makes me wonder, can this team make a deep playoff run? But I agree with you, better scoring and better secondary scoring, the problem's going to be, what do you have to give up? You know, they really didn't right. give up a lot last year to get Zuccarello. Mm-hmm. I mean, they gave up high draft picks. They gave up a draft pick for Lovejoy. Yeah. So, I mean, they picked up quality guys. Alexiak was a draft pick mm-hmm. with yeah. giving up draft picks rather than some of their young up-and-coming talent that you don't necessarily want to, uh, to give away. So, uh, unless it's a premium person. I wonder if... If it would benefit the stars and really anybody in the central to to get that wild card matchup where you end up facing the Pacific for the yeah. first round, you know, and I think it's hard to argue that. But I mean, you'd probably be facing Edmonton, I would assume, which is a that's another super tough matchup in and of itself. Yeah, I, I think I, I think it depends. I mean, it's still early, but uh, I mean, a lot. Yeah, a lot. Even can the happen. way, yeah, yeah, that division's really tough too. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, hockey in general is tough, so you, yeah. you got to play them all. But, um, you know, can they make a deep playoff run? I, I think they can. Absolutely. Uh, if they were in the East, I'd say yes. <laughs> I know. But, uh, you know, the West is difficult, so it is an interesting question. I think we can better answer that around the tra- after the trade deadline. Yeah. Next question comes from J.B. Binkle, Binklemania. <laughs> he asks, what can explain the inconsistency in play and effort with this year's team? Hashtag go stars. Uh, I'll answer mm-hmm. that. I, I think the inconsistency came from guys out of the lineup, as we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. Insert Corey Perry. Insert a healthy Jason Dickinson. Insert a Blake Como. Now all of a sudden you're seeing your team come together. And insert giving Gurionov a shot. <laughs> yeah, giving Gurionov a shot. Um, who's become probably your best playmaker since Rope Hints is out. Yeah. So I think also the gelling of the unit overall, these road trips really can bring a team together. Injuries can bring a team together. Um, but let's go back to that third period effort, that five goal effort. Yeah. And which wild. the stars were down. I mean, they were getting booed at the American Airlines Center. And ever since that point, it seems as though we've seen a different Dallas Stars team. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think you nailed it right on the head with that one. Okay, let's go to Josh Casada. I'm a Dallas Stars fan, but not good at the hockey X's and O's. After taking 19 of the last available 22 points, what is the big X, biggest X's and O's that has made the difference on this hot stretch? It's been them just reverting to what got them to Game 7 with the Blues last season, and it's this shift in... It, it's the it's the stuff, the defensive responsibilities that they were lacking, both from their D-man and their forwards. I yeah. think the forwards are doing a much better playing a two-way game. Um, I'm, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's frustrating as a forward being a guy like Tyler Sagan or or a Jamie Ben. You know where you're you know you played a lot with Lindy Ruff and you're used to putting up these big point totals and these things. And it's sometimes you have to take a step back for to 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 execute the overall plan that Monty has instilled here, which is a defense-first plan. And I think just them reverting to that and them playing a more more responsible 200-foot game uh, I think is the biggest explanation for this turnaround. I think you nailed it on the head earlier in the season. You had three guys going after the puck in the corner, which left guys wide open. In the slot. In the slot. Odd man rushes. Now the stars are the ones that are getting the majority of the rushes. Yeah, back-checking was an issue. Um, Winning the battles in the corner was an issue. So uh, they really have simplified their game. Uh, They're playing better team defense. You're right, both in forwards and defense, clogging up spaces. Uh, I don't think Vancouver and Calgary for the last two games ever really got going. In fact, I don't think Winnipeg had their greatest game. So yeah. they're they're making teams look bad right now, and that's that that is that are that's great signs for a healthy team. And I, I've seen you know I've seen an increase in the activity of the stick and passing lanes and poke checking and just making it more difficult to make those passes, those cross ice passes for the you know the weak side slap shot and things like that. I really. You know, aside from the Pedersen, you know, power play slap shot last night, I really haven't seen too many super clean looks at the goalie. There's people blocking shots. 
Uh, you know, and, and and people breaking passes with an active stick. Yeah, yeah, lots of block shots last night. Yeah. So, and I think, you know, before we go, we do have to mention the emergence of Radic Fox as well, playing yeah. real well. So, I mean, I think you can go up and down the lineup and say, wow, you know, when you're when you're winning like you are, there's a lot of guys uh, participating and contributing. So, and I think early in the season they felt like they couldn't catch a break, they couldn't get it rolling, and right now it's like we can't be stopped. You know, even yeah. even in that Winnipeg game, they got a point out of it, even though it, it you know it was an overtime loss. But like right now, they're just they're just firing on all cylinders. And as a hockey enthusiast, as a Dallas Stars fan, it's just been a really really fun thing to watch over this last month or so. Great questions, guys. Keep them yeah. coming. You know, hit us up on Twitter and uh, Shippy Fun Sports at GJ Spittle. Hit us up. Yeah, let us know uh, if you guys have any questions. Like I said, we'll make sure we like them, uh, and then we'll kind of put them away in this little corner where we'll uh, hit your hit your questions in next week's mailbag here on the Sweaters Forever Podcast. Gavin, another uh, pleasure uh, talking uh, talking puck with you here. Man, it's always fun during this winning streak. It sure is. Uh, thank you to everybody that's downloading and listening and subscribing, whether it's you know with the Radio.com app or 1053thefan.com, or if you just go use your Google search engine, search the Sweaters Forever podcast, tell a friend if they like hockey that they're missing out if they aren't listening to this podcast. Until next week, uh, we love you.